my wife's laptop. She's the fancy one, as you can see. Excellent. Let's pray. Father, we want to dedicate this moment to you, Lord, and thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, thank you that, in a sense, our, our lives is an accumulation of moments with you, God, that, um, or without you, actually, God, that our lives are, are made up of a couple of seconds that accumulates into minutes and minutes into hours and hours into weeks and weeks into months, Lord, and, and ultimately into years. And we don't know how much time we have, but, oh, Father, what a privilege that this moment belongs to you. This moment we give to you. This moment we can honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My name is Hen Rai, uh, and I'm married to Brigitta sitting here in front in the orange. She said that orange is not her color, but her whole business is built around that, so it's quite awkward. Um, but it is amazing um, to be able to share with you guys. I am one of the elders in this congregation. We believe in a plurality of elders, meaning that it's not only myself that's standing up here and in a sense the, the direct phase of this meeting. That's why you will always see in a worship, there's like this holy huddle going on here in front. And, and if you're a visitor, you look at them and you're like, so rude. They're speaking in worship. But actually, what we're trying to do is just to see what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us and, di yeah, and direct accordingly and to find God's voice uh, for all of us. Amen. So uh, this morning, actually, we were driving from Bonneville. We had a, a wedding there. So if I like start to lisp or start to chat weird things, it's because I'm tired. Um, I danced on single ladies last night. It was quite something. There is some blackmailing videos going around. Uh, it's a lie. It's edited. These days, everything can be edited. It's not me. It's someone that looks like me. Uh, yeah, you saw someone dancing. It was Mornay next to me. <laughs> um, but as I was driving um, this morning, um, I was considering actually standing in front of you guys and just what a privilege it has been this past couple of months. We've been part of this congregation about a year, in two months, about 14 months. And I must say it's been a privilege um, to have done life with this congregation. Like really, I, I want to look you guys in the eye. It's been really a privilege and I want to say that not only for me, but for myself and Brigitte, maybe Liffy, come stand here um, in front. She, she loves the spotlight. It's like a favorite thing in life. Um, yes. Um, but actually, for, for both of us, we, we, we not only love you, but we consider each one of you before the Lord. I really want to say that. Like, we don't only think about the church on a Sunday, but each one of you. Zon, I consider you before God. I pray for you. I consider your life. I look at your personality. I look at your life. We discuss you guys a lot. Like, really? It's awkward, but it's really. But not in a weird way, like, yes, did you see that one's outfit? But together, we consider you guys before God, and that there's something of God deposited in you. And like Paul said, that it's almost like pain of childbearing that he wants to, in a sense, form Christ in the church 
and in the individuals. And the church is made up of you guys. And I want to say, before God, we work and labor to form Christ in each one of you. And it's been a privilege. Amen. Thank you, Livy. How's that? <laughs> Lovely. So, before I start, I want to ask you guys to actually um, go and take your phone out and go to your Bible app or there's Bibles in front of you because we're actually going to look at a portion of Scripture together uh, this evening uh, in Colossians. It is, I think I counted the 12th or 11th book in the New Testament, somewhere around there, just for everyone to follow um, because we don't have Scriptures on the board and we'll just make that easier. So that will be our um, Colossians chapter 3. Um, we're going to look at verse 1 to 4. And then from there on, um, I will be touching on other scriptures, but I will just read that for us. So, the past couple of days, I've been quite thinking a lot about this concept, and the concept is called time. All of us are quite familiar with the concept of time because we are so, in a sense, bound by it, and we cannot escape it. True? Each one of you are actually quite familiar of in the thing of how long it takes to pop popcorn in the microwave. You know the amount of time that two-minute noodles take to make in the microwave or the oven or whatever you do uh, and put ketchup on and people do weird stuff. You are actually quite familiar with certain things or how long it takes to, to finish a degree, how long it takes to drive from, from your home to your, to your work how long it takes um, to do certain tasks in life. And we get quite familiar with this thing called time. But I think on the other side, although we are so familiar with the concept, I think as Christians, we need a greater reality or greater revelation, a greater openbaring of time. Groot woord, ne? Openbaring. It even sounds serious. It just means that the Lord needs to come and to reveal in our heart what does it mean when he says that he has stamped eternity on man's heart? That when he looks at us, he says that I have drawn lines in the sand for each one of you, a time to be born and a time to die. But not only that, that from there on, there is something called eternity. And it is an eternity with him or an eternity without him. I don't know if you've ever tried to think about the concept of how big eternity is. Could try to do it before you fall asleep. It's quite something to try to do that. There's a guy named C.T. Studd that said, <laughs> your thing autocorrect and said study, C.T. Study, <laughs> C.T. Studd, that says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm going to read it again. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What we do will count for something, but only what's done for Christ will count on that day. I think there's many words and many things and many actions that I've done that will be burned up on that day when He returns. But Christ wants us to build on Him. 
So what I want to do, and if you want to make notes, I want to speak about something, living in light of eternity. Living a life that has eternity in mind. And I believe it's something that I want to trust, that it's not only a message that I bring, but actually that there will be happening something in our hearts to say, yes, Lord, there's more. There's so much more in this life and the next, because there is a next. There is a next. And what we do now will determine the next. Thanks, Jan. Hallelujah. He's like a super deacon from AM. Nice to see you. <laughs> Let's read um, Colossians verse 3, verse 1 to 4. And the book of Colossians was written by Paul the Apostle, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote this, this letter from um, a, a prison, and he's writing it to a, to a church. And this church is, is actually facing a, quite a lot of pressures from uh, the outside world to drift them away from Christ. And the two ways they are doing it is actually just some information about that is I think that Christ is only one amongst many gods, that you can serve many gods and that Christ is, is one of them. Or on the other hand, they are fighting, facing quite pressures or, or, or from the Jewish uh, people to say that you need to come back to the law and come back to the, the traditions that we used to follow. And here they're standing quite in the middle and like, what should we do? And Paul hears this message come from one of his partnering um, partners in the gospel come and give this report to him in the prison and he writes this letter and through this letter you will read how he makes Jesus as the centerpiece of this letter and then he comes to um, chapter 3 and 4 that he actually goes into quite practical things of this new life that we have in Christ Jesus and I think all of us need to come to that new Life in Christ Jesus, that is not only something that is theoretical that we know about, but it's something that is experiential, actually. There's something that we can experience, that new life in Christ Jesus. It's not just a concept for one day, but it's a life to live now for Christ. I want to read for us verse 1 to 4, and then we're going to go into it. Okay, so for my theologian brothers, the time has come. For expository teaching, <laughs> line by line, <laughs> just joking, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things, as Skulk reminds us, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It starts off with chapter 1 that says, since then you have been raised with Christ. This opening verse speaks about actually almost like a gate or a door that we need to enter, otherwise the rest of the things won't even make sense. And it says that this door is actually into salvation with Christ Jesus, that you died with Him and that you are raised with Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the thing is, we live in a South Africa Okay, I know some of you are probably from other nations as well, uh, because I know some of you, like Nick. 
um, but they're all Christians in America, so they're quite similar like us. Um, and the thing is, America and South Africa is quite similar in this very thing that it is Christian nations, but now it would be called post-Christian nations because it once so happened to be that everyone in the nation was a Christian. It was like, I am a South African, I am a college student, or I am a working adult, and I am a Christian. It's quite equal. That is, is like this thing that we just say that all of us, that's who we are. It's like saying that I am an architect, or I am an entrepreneur. It's just saying that I'm a Christian, because I'm not a Muslim, so it must be something else. And there's this thing that is crept into us that we label ourselves as something, but I think we're missing quite a little bit of what it actually means. So I want to ask you a question, and I want to label it as that. I don't want to ask us a question. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask me a question, because I think although we are many in this room, I think sometimes we need to ask questions to ourselves. So here's the question. What do you believe it means to be saved? Think about that. What do you believe it means to be saved? What do you believe that it means to truly follow Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life? Some of us would throw out different answers, different ideas, different concepts, even we will put scripture to it. But I want to say, whatever you believe of Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior will play out in your life. How will you show me what you believe of Christ Jesus? I'll see it. Because a man will be known by his fruit. I just need to stick long enough next to you, or you next to me, and you will start to see what I believe of Christ. Because my life will reflect if I truly believe this thing that I've been raised with Christ. I want to say that it is not that if you are born in a Christian household, that you are a Christian. It just means that you have good morals, probably. We cannot piggyback. And although there is parents in our midst, praise the Lord, they will try their best to raise their children in the ways of God. And even that scripture that was said um, by um, Nadine earlier that me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will try our best to raise our children in the best way possible, and that is our command from God, but there will come a day that Nicholas would need to stand up and say, I will follow Christ, not because of my mom, but because I see him high and lifted up, and he will be drawn to God. Christianity is not a one-way ticket to get into heaven, guys. It's not something that we do. It's not just something that um, now we have come to know Jesus and now I give my Wednesdays and Sundays to Christ. That means he's just an extra activity to your life. He's not a part of everything of your life. So when we read, since then you have been raised with Christ, it means that you have placed your full weight into Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, no longer depending on yourself, but putting all your dependency on Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior and saying, I follow him no matter what.
and we'll dig into that a little bit later. We need to be born again, as John 3 says. Let me check my time. Going too long. <laughs> the second half of that verse say, says the following. Set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's really, it is so important for us to have an eternal perspective of life and to have actually to set our minds and set our hearts and set our gaze upon an eternal perspective because um, I truly believe that that will determine your course for life. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm an observer, so I observe people. Some people call it a stalker. I call it an observer. Uh, so I love to go actually alone, sit at a coffee shop or place like that, and just watch human behavior. It's like a hobby. It's weird, but it's a hobby. You laugh because you do it. Sip your flat white and actually stalking people. But the thing with that is that I look at the lives of some people, and especially in this context, at Christians, and I sometimes get so discouraged because I look at their life and I look how they run for the Lord and I'm like, how? Oh. They're like always on fire. And then I look at my life and I'm like, huh, I'm not always that. And I look at their dedication and their discipline. Like some of you guys, like if, if we need to have like a scoring contest of your discipline in God, like yes, I would fail against you. Like six love, bah. Because your discipline of giving yourself to God is just extreme. It's like, it's actually supernatural. I look at certain people that have gone before me and is actually now serving Christ. And I look at their schedules. I look at their life. I look at their, and I'm like, yes, Lord, how? Have you ever wondered? You look at that person across the church and you're like, he must be faking it, eh? Nobody can be that joyful. Nobody can be that loud. That, like, like Olympics high jump in worship. It's like everything about them is just like extreme. But you look at them and you long for that. Like, I want that. And a person like that is, is actually, I, I have a lot of names that I could mention, but I look at Billy Graham, great evangelist. You might have heard of his, his name. Just go read his biography and, and the things he's done for the Lord and le leading millions to Christ. He, when he was 99 years old, he died at 99. That's quite a long life, eh? So you can fit in quite a lot for God in that time. And think over 60-something, 70 years of ministry. That's next level. And then I look at his life and they ask him on his deathbed, he's going he's gonna to pass away now. And he, he's like, what is the one thing you can give to the generations? What is the one thing that you can encourage us with? He says, the brevity of life has shocked me. How short life is. I'm like, this man is 99, but are you halfway in the grave? Like, is this possible that this person can say that life is short? But he understood something of an eternal weight, eternal perspective that life is actually short in comparison to eternity. And he says, life is short, make it count. Another person like that is Paul the Apostle. If you read his writings, you will find many times that there has been a struggle in his heart with eternity. 
I'm not going to read all of it. Um, Nidlin actually said that this reference is wrong. It might be 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 5, uh, but you can go look. It is in the Bible, I promise. You can come get my crypt notes. But he says that for a while we are in this tent. And he speaks about for a while we are in this tent. And he speaks about his earthly body as a tent. Not as a home, not as a house, as a tent. Meaning that he's just camping a little bit here on the earth, one day soon to return to his home. And what did Jesus say? I'm going to go prepare a room for you, a house for you, a Villa, whatever you want to believe of, <laughs> heaven. But there is something that there is our eternal home is in heaven and that we are just in a tent. Yeah. And he speaks about this tent that he says we groan and we, and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with a heavenly dwelling. So for now we are suffering in this earthly body but one day I'm going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. That for now, it sucks on the earth. That's actually what he's saying. It's not always nice. Sometimes things happen and life happens and we try to convince ourselves that life is nice. I want to say it's not always nice. That type of Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Scriptures speaks about that this life you will have troubles. But take heart. I've, I've, I've overcome this world. And if you are found in Christ, you're raised with Christ... One day, you will have a house. You will have a home. But this life is not your home. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. God has purpose for you to be on the earth, to live in a tent. But he has given us the spirit as a deposit, a guarantee for what is to come. You know that you, if you are a Christian, you are engaged. You're not married to God. You're engaged. You're betrothed to God. He, do, he didn't give you a ring. Sort of. The ring that he gave you was himself in the form of the spirit. That he said that I promise, I promise that I will come for you. And my promise is I give of myself. Isn't that the biggest wedding gift that you can get or promise that I give of myself? He can't deny himself, so he needs to come fetch himself when he returns. Let's go on. We need to have a heavenly mindset. Next up, verse 2. Set your minds on the things above and not the things on the earth. The previous um, service also had the scripture in the preach. It says, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a beginning that you were born of this race, and there is an end. Let us throw off everything so that in this little race that we are running, and it's actually a sprint. I know th people think it's like a marathon, but actually Christianity is quite a sprint in view of eternity. Yes, I want to be rough for Jesus here. It's quick. It's quick, eh? Like I'm 26 now, turning 27. I'm halfway through my life. My mom hates when I make that joke. <laughs> 
might be true. It might be that I'm already at the end of my life, but we do not know that. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorching or despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of God. When God himself in Jesus was on the earth, he didn't live for the cross. He lived beyond the cross, and he looked into eternity and said, if I go through this, I will be in heaven. I didn't live for the cross, but I looked through that. He endured it for the one day. Jesus had a heavenly mindset. He had an eternal perspective of life. My next question to you would be, if you consider the scripture, it says fixating our eyes or looking to Jesus. I want to say, where's your eyes? As you are sitting here, where is your eyes? Because where your eyes will be, you will start to see your body will follow. Your mind will follow. Your heart will follow. Ultimately, your actions will follow. And lastly, your life will follow. If you ever tried to look somewhere and drive another way, impossible. That tree is your destination. We need to come to a place that our eyes are continually looking and beholding Christ. Yes, amen. It, yeah, this is just, it's not on the notes, but I, I, I consider Abraham. It says in just the previous chapter, Abraham looked to the city that was not made by human hands. It means when Abraham lived, I don't know, four or five thousand years ago, he didn't look to Moses. Like, yes, if you can just get to the days of Moses. He didn't even look to the time when King David would come in the picture. He looked beyond that. God helped him to see beyond Moses and David. He didn't even look to the days of Jesus. He looked beyond that. He looked beyond the cross. And he looked into heaven. And he said, I'm living for that. The eternal mindset. That I'm looking into eternity. Into the, the heavenlies of a city not made with hands. And that is why I can give myself in faith. Because I live for that day. Are we living with that perspective that I'm living for that day and not for the year now? The next one is, for you died. Quickly say that. I'm dead. Woo! And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Oh, I love that scripture. Because when I got saved, um, nine, I got saved about nine years ago. I was when I when I came to Jesus. But about a month, a month in, uh, I sat with a, a leader of mine. Uh, he's now leading the Bonnyvale congregation. We lived or stayed with them this weekend, uh, Christopher and Lisa Nietlang, uh, amazing couple. I was drinking milkshake with, with Christopher at one of the coffee shops in Wellington, and he gave me activity to do. Imagine yourself doing this activity. And in this activity, and I've done it with even some of you guys, um, the freeze, we're doing it next week as well. <laughs> and in this activity, he, he, he took out a piece of pen and paper and he made me draw a stick man and he said, put your name at the top. I put my name at the top. And he said, Henry, draw a couple of lines around the stick man and include everything that's a part of your life. 
family, girlfriend, Jesus, because the pastor is sitting over me, so Jesus, Bible, uh, I, and I, my sport, I loved sport, and I write down all of those things. And he said, that's great, thank you, are you done? Anything else? And I wrote one or two more. And he took the pen, and I said, can, can, can I make some adjustments, he said. And he, and he took my name, and he just scrabbled all over it, and he put Jesus next to it, and he scrabbled Jesus at the bottom, and he says, Henry, Jesus is not an add-on to your life. When you came to Christ Jesus, he is Lord of your life, that you no longer live. You have died. Henry no longer exists. You have died, and your life is now hidden in Christ, that Jesus is not only a Sunday activity or Wednesday activity, but he is your life in your family, in your studies, in your work, in your, and put it in brackets, whatever it is, that Christ is all in all in our lives. Who of you believe that you are dead? Who believes they're dead? Like dead, like dead, dead. <laughs> Not dead, but yeah, Christ are dead. <laughs> Jan, do you believe you're dead? Dead in Christ, come to the front. Let's see if you're dead. Yes, I'm going to punch him now. Let's see if he's dead. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay, this is a dead man walking here. Okay? Pretend to be dead. Go for it. Do you, that hardy does must be. No, I'm joking. Sorry, animal lovers. <laughs> Jan is dead as he's lying here. If I kick him, can he do anything? He's actually quite weird. He doesn't even have like shoes on at church. Like who does that? And he's actually a deacon in the church. Can you believe a leader do that? A leader that doesn't have shoes on in church. Can a dead man get offended? You're laughing. Can a dead man get offended? If I give insults to him, if I kick him, if I mock him, if I treat him unfairly, can a dead man respond? Why do we respond? Daily. Why do we get impatient? Can a dead person get impatient? Why do we get irritated when we go home to our family and all of a sudden it feels like the old Henry is back? There's something of that old demons that come back when you're in your family and in that rustige environment. Can a dead person react? Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, come on, Yeah, thanks, Jan. <laughs> Let that sink in. Can a dead person actually react to anything of what this world throws at us? I think it's such an unfair thing. But ultimately, I've been meditating on this scripture for the past two days. I'm going to finish soon. It's always cool when the preacher says that, soon. Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> so it's like, it can be any moment. I have like 2,000 years preach lined up for me. But I thought about that scripture that Paul says, this light, momentary affliction is preparing for me and for us an eternal weight of glory 
What is it that we are mocked or, f or try to be offended or ill-treated or seen in a bad light in this life? It's a light, momentary, short affliction. And then it, poof, pass away with time and we are found in heaven with Him. In view of eternity, any form of suffering is short. Big statement. Any form of suffering can be endured in light of eternity. There's people that get skinned like animals for persecution, for following Christ. And they say, it's a light momentary affliction. And then I will see my God again. I, Galatians 2.20, I, Henry, put your name in there. Every time I say my name, put your name in there. Henry has been crucified with Christ. And Henry no longer lives. But Christ lives in Henry. The life Henry now lives in this body. Henry lives by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for Henry. I have been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but only I'm a conduit. I'm a pipe for God to come and flow through me. I want to say a couple of things that might offend you. John the Baptist says, when Jesus came on the scene, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. I must decrease. Less of John the Baptist, more of Christ. So I want to say less of the personality of Henry. Who cares if you're an introvert? More of Christ. I'm an introvert as I'm standing here and I'm preaching. Ask my wife. Who cares if you're introvert and shy? More of Christ. Who cares if you're extrovert? More of Christ. Let him shine through you. Less of my dreams. Ultimately, who cares what Henry dreams? It's all about Christ and his dreams for my life. Less about my future, but only the will of God through my life. I cannot choose to live in Stellenbosch. God chose two years ago, three years ago, before this church was planted. He spoke to myself and Regita and said, you will come and you will come and lead in Stellenbosch. There wasn't a Stellenbosch PM. And I'm like, God, must I plant this church? And then a month ago, he said, Leonard is planting a church in Stellenbosch. And we moved almost. We like went to Mike Dufay. We're like, we're going to move now. They're like, just hold on. My life is not my own. I didn't come to Stellenbosch by choice. I got sent by Christ to be here. Less of my manliness. That I'm a male. Who cares? That I'm a male. That I'm an alpha male. And I'm big and I gym and I do CrossFit and I... Who cares? But the identity of Christ. We find our identity in so many things. And I know we're laughing at this, but you see, guys, we find our identity so much in our bodies. Really. Because we think we can get the approval of ladies in that. Yes, see. Leave it. Who cares if you're ugly? You're anywhere going to be ugly that day. We're going to get old. Hung lippy and all. It's going to be strange. Another one. 
less of my whiteness and my tradition that I'm Afrikaans, man, who cares? Who cares that I had privilege, have privilege, may have privilege, whatever. I'm privileged to know Jesus. stepping on toes, but we hold on so to the traditions of our family, and my fathers did this, and da, da, da. No, man. The traditions of Christ, of Jesus. Less of my opinions, rather holding on to the truth of Christ. Less of what I feel, my hurt, my offense, I'm unfairly treated, I'm dead. But more of Christ suffering through my life, that he was mocked, he was kicked, he was punched, he was killed. He didn't react. Why should I? And I'm ending with, with the last scripture, and then I'm handing over, and we can respond. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That scripture hit me like a truck when I read it because it says it's not Christ who is a part of my life. It says Christ who is my life. And I want to say that Christ will appear again, that he's given us the guarantee of the Spirit as the promise that he will return one day. And in light of eternity and the short momentary affliction the short life, only what's done for Christ will last. And may this moment be actually not something of just a self-inspection of do I consider eternity a lot, but do I live a life that is positioned towards eternity? Do you believe, and I'm challenged to my core to this, do you believe that Jesus can come back? today. I'm challenging my core to this because that will show if we truly believe the depths of what he says in his scriptures. Do you believe in your life Christ can rock in? And he says, I draw the line. Time has stopped. Eternity is on its way. Because it can be and we can get caught off guard. Yesterday we went into a wedding and we were almost late and my one friend was later than I, and she said to me, like, the, she didn't think about the preach, but all she thought about is that ten virgins and the five not making it. She's like, I felt like the ten virgins, like the five that didn't make it. And I'm like, it's so true, eh? What if I didn't make it? Can I pray for us? Can I? Let's stand. Let's all stand. We've sat a, a while. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then I will also appear with him in glory. Holy Spirit, you are the promise, the guarantee of our salvation that we are saved and that we are sons and that we are daughters of the Most High God. 
God, we repent. I actually feel we really need to repent, God, for I repent, Lord, for times where I've, I've fixated my gaze on time rather than eternity. That I've become so materialistic and that this world is all we have and I, and I give myself to anxiety and I give myself to, to the things of this world, Lord. But what are they in light of eternity? What are they in light of eternity, God? Father, my one prayer, like really it's a longing in my heart, my one prayer, God, is that by your Spirit, you would come and stamp eternity on our hearts. But actually you said in your Scripture that I've already placed eternity on man's heart. Father, I trust for a greater awareness and a revelation of a life lived unto God. Father, I trust, and I, and I had the church in mind, the church of um, Laodicea in, in the book of Revelation, that they were neither cold nor hot, but because they were lukewarm, you spit them out of your mouth. Lord, may that not be said about Stellenbosch PM, that you had the appearance of godliness, but denying the power that you looked great, you looked alive, you had the appearance of alive, but our hearts were far from eternity and far from you. Lord, form in us our heart again that life is short. Like Billy Graham said, the brevity of life. It's just a, and it's done. One life it's past, only what's done for Christ will last. Let us take these questions of what you truly believe of salvation. How do you see it live out? The questions of why do those people have that just have these radical lives and I don't have that. They have eternity stamped on their hearts. The question of where is your eyes? Lord, help us to stay in your eyes. And ultimately, Lord, help us with this question of what should we do with this life that we have been given as a free gift I want to give an opportunity. Let's all just close our eyes for a moment. I want to give an opportunity that if you're sitting here and you have you've started the race of life, and all of us that start that, and it's a free gift from God. But then by His own will, He, he gave us this life to make decisions and we can make this decision to follow Christ and be found in Him for salvation. Or we can live it for ourselves. And I want to say, if you are standing here and you have never been born again, meaning that you've put your full weight and trust in Lord Jesus as your, as, as, as your Savior, as your Master, as your God, that I want to say that the invitation is, 
that today is the day of salvation, says the Bible. That shouldn't wait for tomorrow, but today there's an invitation, as long as it's called today. So with all eyes closed, I want to ask if you are standing here and you might have drifted away from the Lord or you just don't have a relationship with God, I want to say, as I said in verse 1, that you need to enter through the door. You need to enter through the gate who is Jesus. Would you just raise your hand that we can pray for you afterwards? And This is just a response actually between you and God. Is there anyone like that? I would love to give an opportunity to pray for you. There's one lady there. Here in front, we can pray as well. And then Christian there at the back. Two Christians now. <laughs> and then for the rest of us, I want to ask you to go home and consider your life. We're not going to do that now. We're not going to go into a worship song. We're going to end the meeting here. If that's okay, Nick, uh, is that fine? That we ended here, but for those individuals, I want us to pray for them, follow up with them, have a coffee with them in the week. Um, yeah, really just, just walk with them um, and lead them to Christ because this is a significant moment. Significant moment. Their eternity with Christ starts today. Mine started nine years ago. I had 17 years without Christ. And I've never regretted one day. Because I have purpose and I have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. I'm going to ask Nyatanda to play a little bit more for us. That we just minister for those that need to shoot. Um, enjoy the holidays if we're not seeing you again. Um, yeah, let's still pray for these guys here. Visitors, your visitors form you can hand in outside. And... Yeah, if you just need prayer, you can come to the front as well.